This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning. This is Sport Today, your weekday sports news podcast that puts you ahead of the game. I'm Sam Ferris. And I'm Lucy Watkin. It's Friday, the 22nd of July. In your sport today, sportsmanship is on show at the Tour de France. Sam Kerr keeps on winning. Novak Djokovic's US Open looks closed. And a chess grandmaster calls it quits. This is your sport today. Starting today with the Tour de France, Denmark's Jonas Vengegaard won stage 18 overnight, well clear of closest rival and two-time defending champion today, Pogacar. This was realistically Pogacar's last chance to close the gap, but even with the race on the line loose, an act of sportsmanship from Vengegaard was the highlight. Yeah, this was something pretty special for Vingegaard. This was the last mountain stage of the tour, and on the second last descent, Pogacar and Vingegaard were racing together when Pogacar went into a corner a little too fast, and his back tyre slipped on the gravel and he crashed. It would have been easy for Vingegaard to race off and extend his lead, but he slowed down and waited for Pogacar to catch up. They shook hands and were back at it for the final climb of the day. At that point, Vingegaard still had plenty plenty of his teammates around him, so they kept pushing the pace, and with four Ks to go, Vengegaard sprinted off to win the stage and extend his overall lead. Yeah, that lead is now up to three minutes in 36 seconds. Uh, Vengegaard says he told his girlfriend and daughter he was going to win stage 18, so that one was for them. Luce, with such a big lead, is there any hope for Pogacar, or is this one wrapped up? It's not over yet because... Anything could happen like a crash or injury, but it's looking very good for Vingegaard. There are only three stages left and no more mountains, which is where Pogacar had the best chance to catch Vingegaard. Tomorrow is a flat stage, then it's the individual time trial. Pogacar is a good chance to win that, but experts say he needed the gap to be around a minute, so a third straight Tour de France might be beyond him. The last stage in Paris around the Champs-Élysées is pretty much a processional stage, meaning there's no attacking. So if he can avoid a crash, Vengegaard will become Denmark's second Tour de France winner on Monday morning our time. Yeah, you often see the race leader sip a glass of champagne in the final stage. Uh, We don't recommend you try that one at home. The final stage starts just after midnight Monday morning. But if you want to sleep in, we'll bring you the result on Monday's show. It's been a big week for Matilda's captain, Sam Kerr. She became the first female player to be on the cover of the global edition of the video game FIFA. And yesterday in the States, she won an ESPY award. Luce, what is an ESPY award? Well, ESPY stands for Excellence in Sports Performance Yearly, and it's kind of like the sports version of the Emmy Awards for TV, where winners are picked in a number of categories. Kerr won the ESPY for Best International Women's Soccer Player for a great season with Chelsea, where she won the Women's Super League and the Golden Boot for most goals. It's her third ESPY, and the guy she shared the FIFA cover with, France's Kylian Mbappe, won Best Men's International Soccer Player. Basketball star Steph Curry hosted the night. He cracked plenty of jokes, but 
What about LeBron James didn't quite land? (laughs) (laughs) No, this one was about LeBron hosting the ESPYs after losing the NBA finals in 2007. And then LeBron hit back on Twitter with a lot of passive aggressive emojis. Uh, I put a link to the joke and the full list of winners in the episode notes. Today's trivia question brought to you by the EPL Live app. How many goals did Kerr score in the Women's Super League for Chelsea this season? Help us out, Luce. Well, she played 20 games this season, so how many goals she scored from them? All right. Find out the answer at the end of the show. The Wallabies start the rugby championship in a little over two weeks with two games in Argentina. And yesterday, they named a squad of 36 players to play the Pumas. There are some new faces and some old faces in the squad, Luce. It's got a nice little mix of everything, this squad. <laughs> the big name in the squad is veteran lock Rory Arnold. He comes in for Samu Karevi, who's joined Australia's rugby sevens team for the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. Arnold has been playing in France and is one for three overseas players that are allowed to be picked under Rugby Australia rules, which are in place to try and keep Wallaby players playing in Australia. The squad has 11 players with less than five test appearances. That includes four uncapped players. And it's not going to be an easy first tour for them because Argentina have a former Wallabies coach, Michael Checker, in charge, and they've just beaten Scotland in a three-test series 2-1. Yep, there are no easy beats in the rugby championship this year. The Wallabies meet together on Tuesday and then fly up next Friday for the first game on August the 7th. About a month ago, Cricket Australia announced the Big Bash League will have an overseas player draft for this season. We didn't know the dates or the draft order back then, but now we do. So, Luce, which team gets the first overall pick? Unfortunately for me, it's not the Melbourne Stars, but the other (laughs) Melbourne team, the Renegades. So I suppose that's good news for them. The Stars did get the second pick. Then it will be the Heat and the Sixers. The Hurricanes were the unlucky team to get the eighth pick. The first round is for platinum players and will most likely be used by clubs to retain their best overseas players from last year. And if he's in the draft, then it's open slather. Big names like Faf Duplessis, Dwayne Bravo and Kyron Pollard have entered the draft. So it'll be interesting to see who the Renegades take with the number one pick after three wooden spoons in a row. Yeah, time will tell. And that time will be on August the 28th. So just five weeks away, and it'll be shown on Foxtel and KO. I've put a link to the full draft order in your episode notes. We've only got one more tennis grand slam this year, and that's the US Open at Flushing Meadows in New York. The official entry list has been released and Novak Djokovic is on it, but loose, it doesn't look like he'll be playing there. It's looking highly unlikely that he'll be heading to New York or even the US anytime soon. The US open entry lists are automatically filled by the top-ranked men's and women's players 42 days out from the event. Djokovic is ranked number seven in the world, but what's stopping him isn't the US Open but the US government. The US Open has no vaccination mandate for players, but all non-US citizens must be fully vaxxed against COVID to enter the country. Djokovic has made it clear he won't be getting vaxxed, so it means he'll have to wait a little longer if he's to catch Rafael Nadal as the man with the most men's major titles. Yeah, it's looking unlikely, but there is an online petition to let Novak play, which is up to 22,000 signatures, but that might not be enough to change the government's mind. The US Open starts on August 29. 
The world's most famous and best chess player, Magnus Carlsen, is bowing out on top. He says he won't contest any more world championship matches, but Luce, he's not retiring. Now, he says he'll still be competing in tournaments. In fact, he's got one next week. But as far as the World Championship, he says he's going to take a break from it. Carlsen is regarded as one of the best chess players ever, and it's not hard to see why. He became a grandmaster at age 13, the top-ranked player in the world at 19, and won his first of five World Championships at age 22. But those world titles are often best of 12 or 14 games that can last for weeks. And he says he's not motivated or has a lot to gain. He said all of this on his new podcast called The Magnus Effect, and he waited until 50 minutes in to drop the news. <laughs> Jeez, Liz, talk about burying the lead. <laughs> uh, with Carlson out, it means Ian de Pomdici and Ding Loren will play for the vacant world title next year. Alrighty, time for Catch This, the stuff that caught our eye what's coming up. For me, it's the fourth women's golf major, the Evian Championship in France. It's underway. The first round is done. We've got five Aussies in the field. The best place among them is Sarah Kemp at two under. She's six shots back. You can watch the Evian Championship on Foxtel and KO. Uh, what about you, Luce? Well, as we all know, I've been watching the women's Euros and yesterday England booked their ticket to the semifinals through an incredible goal by Georgia Stanway <laughs> in extra time. So watch that one because I think it was one of the goals of the tournament. Absolutely. I've put a link to that video in the show notes for you. Uh, all right, before we go and start the weekend, the answer to today's trivia question brought to you by the EPL Live app. How many goals did Sam Kerr score in the Women's Super League this season? Luce, she played 20 games. How many goals? Well, she played 20 games and she kicked 20 goals. One goal a match makes it nice and easy. Uh, all right, that is us done for today and this week on Sport Today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what we do, tell a mate, leave us a review on Apple, give us five stars on Spotify. It'll really help us grow and let us keep continuing to do this podcast. Uh, have a great weekend. Watch heaps of sports and we'll catch you again on Monday. Listener.